y'all. It is Phoenix of the Phoenix Show, because I now have my own show uh, on my own RSS feed, apart from Wine Cellar. And um, the goal of that really is to talk about sex worker news, sex worker rights, what's going on in the sex worker world, because people don't know, because they aren't um, necessarily in that community. So I have something in my eye that's really bothering me. It's probably cat hair, because everything else that's on me is always uh, cat hair. Um, alright, yeah, for folks who don't know, we have three cats, and they are all whap cats. They like people and everything we own. They're just fucking covered in cat hair. Um, anyways, sex worker news. So, um, I just wanted to talk about a couple things real quick. There's this, a really good article on The Intercept, um, written by Natasha Leonard that talks about this, uh, trafficking registry. So if folks aren't aware, basically Florida is, speaking of the cats, there's one right now on my lap. Hi. Say hi. Um, so Florida is creating an anti-trafficking registry where um, allegedly they want to include um, people who have been uh, soliciting, inducing, enticing, or procuring, procuring um, another person to commit prostitution. And their whole thing is they're saying, oh, no, it's only going to target, like, clients and it's going to target pimps and sex traffickers. But, of course, like, that's complete bullshit. That's not what's going to happen. So um, Natasha Leonard wrote a pretty good piece about it. And I just want to go through a couple of the points here. Um, so for many years, sex workers in the U.S. struggled in relative obscurity to secure basic rights and protections. Now the campaign to decriminalize sex work is breaking through. Legislative agendas are finally tackling the issue, including in New York and the District of Columbia. And yet this often isolated progress is being met with aggressive and harmful anti-sex worker bills in the country's more conservative legislatures. A set of particularly ill-conceived bills is winding its way through the Florida House and Senate this month under the ever-misleading frame of anti-trafficking legislation. And fucking, of course, Florida. As with many legislative efforts under the guise of fighting trafficking, these bills threaten to make sex workers less, less safe and more vulnerable to exploitation and increased state violence. Uh, the Senate bill proposes a creation of a, quote, solicitation, solicitation for prostitution registry, a database that would list the names of people found guilty of the loosely defined crimes of soliciting, inducing, enticing, or procuring another person to commit prostitution, lewdness, um, support as a local proposal, uh, claim the legislature would only include buyers of sex and pimps. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but the sex work community and advocates and experts know bad legislation when they see it. The registry risks ensnaring sex workers, they point out. And just like all criminalization of the industry, bills like this consistently end up making sex work more dangerous uh, and trafficking more, not less likely. Uh, according to Alex Andrews, co-founder of Swap Behind Bars, an uh, organization that provides support for incarcerated sex workers, which, by the way, Swap Behind Bars is like an affiliate of Swap. Like, you know, it is its own thing. Um, so Alex said, it doesn't matter if this claims to target pimps and johns, we know sex workers will end up on that list. Uh, Andrews, a former sex worker herself, told The Intercept that the bill's imprecise language reinforces a long history of law enforcement discourse that is unable or unwilling to distinguish between consensual sex workers and trafficking victims, between respectful clients and traffickers. The premise of a public, public registry is simple. It names and shames with the goal of dissuading buyers or enablers of sex work. There are, however, a host of ways sex work themselves, sex workers themselves can be charged. 
a person accused of soliciting another person in prostitution for merely providing resources or sharing an apartment for work, which workers often do for safety reasons. And that's, you know, the kind of the thing, right? That's what we talked about with Sesta-Pasta, is that it creates a situation where, you know, you're helping people or you're um, trying to provide support for people and you end up being considered somebody who's enabling sex work, right? So, you know, and I use this example because I, you know, actually know people who have been arrested for this. Um, you know, you have a friend who's a sex worker. They say, oh, yeah, I need to get to this job, uh, but it's, you know, too far to walk or I can't, you know, the whatever, the bus schedule doesn't work for me, can you drive me, right, so you drive this person to her job, uh, maybe you pick them up and bring, you know, take them back home after they're done working, uh, after they're done with this client, all of a sudden you are, uh, you know, assisting in prostitution, you're aiding prostitution, that has happened, people have been charged for that, people have been charged for uh, passing out condoms to sex workers, people have been threatened to uh, be charged for handing out, um, like, little, um, like little personal like toiletry kits, you know, that has, you know, like some tampons, you know, some, uh, you know, like the moist towelettes, so, you know, uh, condoms, uh, maybe some basic medications like, you know, Tylenol, ibuprofen, whatever. Uh, police have threatened to arrest people for passing those out to street-based sex workers, right? Because you're aiding and abetting prostitution. So all these things, you know, living with a sex worker, you know, under registries like this, if you, if your partner is a sex worker... Or if you have a parent who's a sex worker, if you are, uh, you know, an adult child, right? So, like, you're maybe 19, 20, and you, um, you know, live at home when you're in college or you only work part-time or whatever. If you have a parent who's a sex worker, you can be charged uh, under this bill. Your name would make it on the registry. So, it's like all these things that they keep doing are allegedly for the good of sex workers, but at the end of the day, they keep hurting sex workers, <laughs> you know? And it's like... It's just so sadistic, I think, at this point, because every time they do this, we keep, uh, you know, pointing out everybody who's an advocate, everybody who's an ally, everybody who's an activist, uh, even sex workers themselves keep pointing out, like, um, this is going to make sex workers less safe. We should probably not do this. This is how it's going to make them less safe. Like, no, 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 no. It's not going to hurt sex workers. And then sex workers end up getting charged. And, you know, another thing, too, if the goal is to reduce clients, okay, Let's think about that from like a business model perspective. Fewer clients, fewer opportunities to say no when somebody wants you to engage in a service that you don't want to engage in. Uh, fewer clients means fewer chances to say no, which means you might not have the same space to negotiate your prices. You might not have the same space to negotiate your safety protocols. Um, fewer clients means more risk. Fewer clients means fewer chances to screen, right? If someone doesn't want to screen, you can't necessarily pass them up if this is your main source of income or your only source of income, right? So it's not, even from that aspect, it's still not helping. But this is essentially like some Nordic model shit, um, and it's just not helpful, you know? Well, this article continues and, of course, mentions uh, Sesta-Fosta, right, which we've talked about a lot. Um... Worker, it says workers themselves considered uh, these platforms a lifeline. Consenting sex workers were able to use these websites to communicate between themselves as well as safely find and screen clients. Those avenues are now closed and sesta Fossa had succeeded in getting the sites shut down with other platforms preemptively closing in fear of the new law. Sim similar examples abound abroad. In Canada and France were end demand. Yeah, anytime you see the words end demand, that's some anti-sex work shit. Um, so end-demand legislation was introduced in 2014 and 2016. Extensive studies found that the laws did more harm than good for sex workers. 
Kathleen LeBail, a researcher at Sciences Po Siri in Paris, carried out a study involving 691 sex workers and concluded that end-demand laws have resulted in an acute increase in socioeconomic vulnerability. No shit. A Canadian study from the University of British Columbia interviewed 854 sex workers in the region and found that end-demand laws significantly dissuaded sex workers from accessing support services. Advocacy groups in opposition to the Florida bill presented these studies, among others, to lawmakers along numerous first-hand sex worker testimonies. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen, though, because nobody ever listens to sex workers. Mm-hmm. I find it really problematic. No one is listening to experts and no one is listening to sex workers, says Jill McCracken, an associate professor at the University of South Florida, St. Petersburg, who has re- researched the public political and legal framing of sex work over a decade. While sex workers and their advocates have all but been ignored in the debate over the Florida bill, its supporters have frequently relied on a single study to argue for the registry. A 2011 study claimed to show that men who buy sex are more likely to exhibit dangerous, violent, and coercive behavior towards sex workers. Hmm. This study is not an evidence-based view of the sex industry, and it does not explain the full impact of end-demand policies, McCracken told the Intercept via email. McCracken cited community organizer Christine Hanavan, who testified in front of the Senate that the study was led by authors who are well-known for fabricating and misrepresenting data and discrediting data that does not support their preconceived ideas. Oh, really? So they lied about the anti-sex work study. Shocked. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the problems with the solicitation, solicitation of prostitution registry are not only uh, troubling in the aspects of the legislative package in the Florida Senate and House bills. Another proposal would see operators of hotels, motels, and vacation rentals fined up to $1,000 a day if they do not put their employees through training to identify and report instances of trafficking in their establishments. This would force hotel workers, oftentimes themselves exploited and underpaid, to act as a liaison for a law enforcement uh, surveillance system, which has long proven incapable of distinguishing sex workers from traffic victims. This would mean, uh, according to Caitlin Bailey, Director of Communications for the campaign Decriminalize Sex Work, uh, this would mean employees paid minimum wage are forced to do the job of social workers on the behalf of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I have to say about those, those a lot of those trainings, too, they're wildly inaccurate and based on perceptions of how women should behave in public. Um, and so a lot of women who get caught up are poor women, um, <clears throat> neurodivergent women, right? Uh, women of color, you know, women who aren't seen as being good women. Because some of these times, you know, uh, when someone gets called, uh, you know, when someone calls police and says, oh, I think there's like a situation of trafficking here. Some of the things that they look for are like, not carrying a lot of luggage, not being talkative, right? Because what's the, what's the assumption when a woman is in public, um, she's obligated to stop and spend her time talking to you on demand because that's what women do, right? So a woman um, being perceived as rude and untalkative to hotel staff can very well end up having police call on her because she's a victim of trafficking because she's not acting like a woman appropriately should. Um, you know, being scantily clad, right? Wearing, uh, you know... Uh, few clothes so you know someone who's you know anticipating maybe having a hotel romp or is gonna go out clubbing and is wearing you know uh the high heels and the mini skirt or whatnot that person can have police called on them right um because that's not what women are supposed to wear you know um you know so a lot of these ideas around what trafficking looks like is based on a perception of how we want women to behave it kind of reminds me like like i can see parallels to all the uh, trans bathroom bills right because there was a perception of what women should look like. And if you remember, there's some shit I said is like, 
that law of unintended consequences shit is always going to come back to you. You know, like you want to push some shit that's oppressive to someone else, but it always comes back to you in some way because you're also still like a marginalized group. Because there was a bunch of cis women who were like, I don't want to share a bathroom with a man. Like, trans women aren't women. You know, that kind of shit. And then it turned around, who was getting fucked up in bathrooms? Cis men were coming in women's bathrooms, dragging out cis women who looked too masculine or didn't uh, look feminine. So it's like, again, based on the uh, presumption of how a woman is supposed to behave and move through society and look as how she's supposed to look while she's moving through society. So the same way that, like, cis women got fucked up because of this trans bathroom bill... The same thing is going to happen to non-sex workers, right? You're going to be out somewhere. You're not going to behave the way um, hotel staff perceives a woman should behave. And all of a sudden, you have to fucking talk to police and convince them that you're not a sex worker because they'll arrest you. But if you have condoms, you might get arrested anyway. And that you're not a victim of trafficking, right? So it's just like those kind of things that, you know, people don't think about like the next step of how is that going to impact me? How is that going going to impact other people? Because these bills are not actually intended to help. They're intended to hurt, right? Because at this point, study after study, story after story, narrative after narrative has been put out there, but people still insist on doing these bills, and it can only be considered an act of sadism at this point, you know? So if people are still, like, you know, pushing for these bills, they know what's going to happen. So they're trying to hurt somebody. And eventually, that's going to start uh, spilling over to people that were not the intended targets of this bill. So, you know... Just think about that, okay? Uh, let's see. Uh, the law enforcement push itself is a good example of how reference, how these efforts go awry. Numerous tracking, trafficking victims have been arrested. In a series of stings and raids on massage parlors profiting from commercial sex, around 300 buyers and a number of women operating in the establishments were arrested. Uh, and the most high-profile of such stings, of course, billionaire New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft was charged with soliciting. The alleged victims of the sting were, quote, rescued by police with handcuffs. As Melissa Gira Grant and Emma Whitford wrote an extensive report on massage parlor raids for the appeal, when a massage business such shuts down, shuts down, whew, its workers, trafficked or not, or, my, or likely to remain vulnerable. For their part, legislators pushing for the trafficking bills were not expecting any opposition. I thought it was a slam dunk, but after hearing all this opposition, it's a little surprising, said uh, Randolph Bracey, a Democrat, <clears throat> a Democrat from Orlando. Mm-hmm. The registry bill unanimously passed the Senate Criminal Justice Committee. Great, because criminal justice is amazing. And now has to the Appropriations Committee. Uh, while a hearing on the Florida House version uh, of the bill took place before the Criminal Justice Subcommittee last week. In response uh, to six sex workers who risked public exposure to express their concerns, Republican State Representative Heather Fitzhagen, who sponsored the bill, said that because selling sex is a crime, she would not work with them. You're going to get us killed. I don't care. What you're doing is illegal. I don't care. It's what you deserve. Awesome. Uh, this is the what? This is the the pro-life party. Mm. Not all lives matter, I guess. Uh, the irony that she would not listen to the very bill. The not oof. the irony that she would not listen to the very people the bill uh, aims to keep safe was lost on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a malevolent assertion, she said, for these persons to come up here and try and malign this good bill. Nigga. <laughs> no, it's not. Get the fuck out of here. All right. So, yeah, that's that. Just, uh, you know, keep that in mind. If you live in Florida, maybe call your reps and be like, hey, please don't vote for this shit. You know, 
Um, and then I just wanted to talk real briefly about um, Maine. This story does not involve Paula Page, oddly enough. Um, so somebody told me that they were thinking about decriminalizing sex work in parts of Maine. And someone linked me to this article on the Bangor Daily News, um, which is like an op, this piece is an op-ed, and it starts off, uh, the title is More Lawmakers Should Support Decriminalizing Prostitution, and it's written by Margaret Knapp, uh, and it says the legislature is considering LD-326, an act to decriminalize engaging in prostitution. Uh, while some might find suggestion of decriminalizing sex work preposterous or unseemly, I ask what took so long and why is only one legislator supporting the bill? We know there's a significant disparity between those who employ sex workers and sex workers themselves. Though sex work is sometimes an informed choice, it is often done through forced coercion and manipulations. So now I'm like, I gotta go back and read this fucking bill because this sounds like it's about to be some Nordic model shit, right? But let's just go through this article real quick here. Um, of course, you know, she mentions Robert Kraft mm -hmm. and says, but if he's found guilty, he could spend up to 120 days in prison, although he'll mostly likely be given a large fine and perhaps parole, perhaps house arrest. Uh, due to his ability to obtain the best counsel. In contrast, sex workers, when charged, have little choice or means for defense. If found guilty, they are in a conundrum. If they want to leave the business, it's hard, if not impossible, to find employment with a criminal record. A key, which is true. Uh, a key piece of this legislation is the ability for those previously convicted of prostitution to have their record expunged. This is not only good for those previously convicted, but also good for tax revenue. So these people can now find employment and begin paying taxes. So it's not actually about you. It's about how much you can provide. Okay. It's about how much you pay in taxes. Got it. Um, as far back as the early 2000s, the Best Practices Policy Project proposed to the United Nations uh, for the advancement of women decriminalizing prostitution in an effort to uh, address violence against sex workers in the United States. Their reasoning was sound and evidence-based, explaining that women, men, and transgender people who engage in sex work underreport crimes of sexual violence due to negative experiences with law enforcement in the past or fear prosecution themselves. In 2015, Amnesty International voted to adopt a resolution to protect the human rights of sex workers. This included a recommendation to support full decriminalization of all aspects of consensual sex work toward lessening the risk of abuse and, uh, risk of abuse and violation sex workers face. Right here in Maine in 2017, the legislature passed a law requiring the Secretary of State to provide information about recognizing and reporting human trafficking, including sex trafficking, to commercial drivers when they are obtaining or renewing a license. While an increase in the awareness of human trafficking uh, in the midst of the Me Too movement, this is an opportune time for our elected officials to move forward with decriminalizing sex work in Maine. I applaud Representative Lois Reckett for sponsoring the bill and implore more legislatures to follow her lead. And then also, this person is a licensed social worker. That's their little blurb at the end. Margaret Knapp of Winterport is a licensed social worker studying for a master's degree in social work at the University of Maine. Now, all that to talk about, do we need to decriminalize? Blah, blah. Remember, I said I had misgivings because of this whole, they're often there through coercion and force, right? So I was like, what the fuck is this bill? I want to see this bill. So I fucking look at the bill. There's a hyperlink to it, mainlegislature.org. It's some Nordic model shit. <laughs> it really fucking is some Nordic model shit. It is, um, oh no, load, page load. Uh, LD326, right? Let me just go see if I can get my article here to load. Um, yeah, and like, so I'm like looking at it and it's just like, so basically the idea is... This is going to be Nordic model shit, right? So uh, clients are still going to be arrested. 
And it turns out that, um, again, nobody has considered the whole thing about just because you're decriminalized, you're still in danger if you have fewer clients because you, um, you know, can't, um, you know, negotiate your prices. You can't negotiate what services you're going to engage in. You can't negotiate who you're going to see and when you're going to see them, right? And so it's actually putting sex workers in more danger by doing this. And it's not decriminalization. I'm perturbed that the idea of decriminalizing selling but keeping buying still legal is being framed as decriminalizing because it's not <laughs> right you know um and so uh also something worth noting is that the term this bill changes the term prostitute to prostituted person also very nordic model and demand language mm-hmm yeah um, I don't want a, I don't want a Visa gift card because I'm pretty sure you're lying to me. I love it when I, you know, open up the, um, you open up the article and they're like, all right, I get the, you get the pop-up, you know, like, oh, you can get a whatever, a new iPhone. I don't want a fucking iPhone. Um, yeah, so this, uh, LD326 in Maine, it changes the term prostitute to prostituted person, which again implies that, um, you know, you aren't really viewing sex workers as whole people. You're viewing them as someone who needs to be spoken for, someone who is a victim, you know. The ending, the expunging of your record is good. I like that. But this whole, uh, you know, the clients are still criminalized. No, that ain't, that ain't it. And then, of course, they have a quote from D. Clark of at Survivor Speak USA. Says the bill decriminalizing sex work of prostituted people, uh, does not fully address the issue of sex, tra sex trafficking and exploitation. She believes a lack of crime will actually cause more people to ignore those who need help. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Um, Clark said when survivors get arrested, police put them in touch with resources that get them out of the business of commercial sex. Clark believes that decriminalizing it allows uh, people to ignore trafficked or prostituted persons because they would no longer be breaking the law. Uh, Represent Representative Rickett disagrees, saying police should not change should change their focus, interacting with women to help them, not arrest them. She says, "What the fuck did I tell you? I didn't even read this whole article yet. What did I tell y'all?" She says her idea is based off the Nordic model, and according to the website, Nordic model now has been adopted by Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Northern Ireland, Canada, France, Ireland, and most recently Israel. The women eventually begin not to look at police as, oh my God, I have to get out of here, but people that might help me. Ha, ha, but they're still rapists, right? This is the shit that they don't tell you, though. But it's it's legal for police to still follow you around because technically, when you're working, you're still at the scene of a crime. So if police want to bolster their arrest records, they get to follow you around. They can film you having sex without consent because that's evidence that your client was committing a crime. Um, again, with the whole you're not allowed to live with uh, partners, or adult children because they're pimps, right? Because they're living off the proceeds of, um, you know, the what a sex worker was earning, you know? So it's like you're still very isolated from society. And they had a whole move, I believe it was Denmark, it was called, actually it was called Operation Homeless, where they literally went to every sex worker they could find and told everybody's landlord that this person is a sex worker, you will be charged with um, something like pimping if you continue to let them rent here because you are taking money that was earned via sex work. And, you know, like you're a pimp now and basically put a bunch of women out on the street and then they like stood back, clapped their hands and said, yay, we're helping. Because the goal of this is to end demand, to end the industry, right? By any means necessary. So if you have to be homeless to get out of the industry, like that's an acceptable cause. If you have to, um, you know, break up with your romantic partner 
um, or your life partner, that's an acceptable collateral damage. If you have to um, not be able to see your children anymore, that's acceptable. You know, if you have to uh, be followed by police and be filmed without your consent engaging in sex acts, if you have to be deported, a lot of sex workers who get caught up in this aren't charged with anything, but they do get deported. That is what these bills entail. So don't fall into this whole, like, we're helping the prostituted women. No, you're not. You're not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's what Maine's doing. I'm a little bit um, disappointed that people are like, oh, they're going to decriminalize it. It's not decriminalize. It's just the fucking Nordic model, and it's fucking bullshit. So um, not helpful. Anyways, I have to go. Uh, the child should be home in, like, five minutes. And then we gotta go pick up William, and then me and William gotta record tonight. I have so many show notes, it's ridiculous. So anyways, um, thank you for hanging out with me <laughs> on the Phoenix Show. Uh, I will be back later, and you can catch me um, on Wine Cellar Media. And we have some news and some comment, and it should be good times. So anyways, I'm out of here. Please be as safe as you are. Be I said that last time, too. Be as safe as you are. Be as safe as possible wherever you are. All right, y'all have a good one.